This is the day that the Lord has made. Hopefully you all are staying somewhat cool. It's hot out there this morning, but it's a joy to be together here in worship this morning. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, Ann Hawthorne to share with us on our mission moment. Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to be here with you today. We came from downtown Los Angeles uh, to share with you this morning about our Kid City program. Uh, Kid City was founded seven or eight, seven years ago by First Los Angeles United Methodist Church and the Los Angeles United Methodist Urban Foundation, which is an affiliate of the, of the church. I'm the director of the foundation. And uh, we started the program uh, because there were five kids in our church who came to us and said, we're in high school, we need an after-school program for high school students, and we want to go to college. These were all the first kids in their um, families to go to college. First one graduated in May from Cal State Northridge. So we're very happy. Thank you. And those, those five kids really set the tone for what was to come. And what we didn't know was that there was such a great need in Los Angeles for programs that welcome with open arms young people who wanted to go to college despite the fact that no one in their family had been, despite the fact that they didn't think they could afford it. We, were, we are there to provide accurate information, fellowship, guidance, leadership, growth. Um, we use a lot of volunteers from the church and from outside the church to support these young people. We have a mentorship program that helps high school seniors apply. And this fall, we're going to have over 200 kids in college. So what we realized uh, soon after, after they started getting into college in these huge numbers was that we don't have the staff to, uh, to help support them. And that in college is actually a very critical time when they're away from home, some of them. Um, it's a new culture, a different culture. They're missing their families. So what we found out was our job was not done, that we need to stay in touch with these amazing and determined and smart, intelligent, beautiful, general, gen uh, generous young people, and we need to support them throughout college. So what I've brought to share with you today is our first two college students who are heading off to Cal State Channel Islands in a few days. And uh, they're going to share with you, Elizabeth is going to share with you a little bit about what Kid City has done for her. And we, I just want to invite you to learn more about our program and to think about, um, you know, we're reaching out to you. We would love your support for our program, but we also are looking for support for our students who are, who are at distant campuses. So we helped University United Methodist Church in Irvine work with the students there. Um, we have connected the students at UC Santa Barbara with the Isla Vista Church, and now we're looking for, um, just for a community, a, a connection for these students at Channel Island. So I'll let Elizabeth speak, and thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Elizabeth. I'm a recent graduate from Orthopedic High School in Los Angeles. I joined Kid City a year ago because I wanted help with my last year as a senior in high school. 
I needed help doing my personal statement, applying to college, and all the stuff that needed to be done to be able to go into a college. So Kid City offered us um, personal statement workshops, SAT workshops, math, um, anything that we needed. They also offered us they also offered us mentors to help us with the application process for the university. So I'm really thankful for Kid City. You know, they helped they helped me get to where I am right now. They helped me with all my struggles and all my needs, and I'm really thankful for them. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much it. We will, oh, well, me and Jennifer will be attending California State University Channel Islands this fall. So it's like in 10 days. So <laughs> uh, yeah, we're like coming from Los Angeles into another county. You know, it's really scary. Like just on our own without our parents. It's a different culture, different people. So we really would like some help like around here, getting connections to help us with school and anything else that we need. So thank you. And if anyone would like to uh, make a donation to Kid City, there are mission envelopes in the pews. Um, just turn those into your, uh, turn them into the usher at, uh, as we receive our offering this morning. At this time, I'd like to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of celebration 62. All creatures of our God and King will sing verses 1, 2, and 5.
God, we give you thanks and praise as we join together in worship to come to this moment to rejoice that you have called us home. As we join together, may we lift up our hearts and our voices in prayer to celebrate and rejoice for the joys that we share, those that we speak out loud, and those that we hold close to our heart. The gift of friendship and of family, of celebrations and milestones, of all the joys that we experience in our life, those that we acknowledge and some that we forget. But God, we give you thanks and praise that we might celebrate them together. And with our joys too, we lift up the burdens on our hearts. We lift up those who are hurting and who are sick, those who are hungry and thirsting, those who struggle to make ends meet, we pray for those around this world who live with the reality and the threat of war. Those who've given up hope, who live in despair, and a host of other things. But glorious God, we find joy that we might be in prayer before you to know that as we pray for things and as we pray for situations, that it might be our hearts and our lives that are transformed that through our prayers we might understand the movement of your spirit and the working within our lives to be your hands, your feet, and your voice in ministry. We praise you that we have the opportunity to join together in worship, to know that in this place your spirit dwells. But in that, it continues to move in our hearts and our lives that we go forth from here to bring your light and your love and your grace to the world around us, to even one. But God, you know the weeks that we've had, you know the weeks that are in store and sometimes we're just tired. Sometimes we're stressed. Sometimes the weight seems too great to bear. So on this day, may we just come to you for but a moment of silence to lay our burdens before you to celebrate in your presence the joys, to be still before you and acknowledge that you are God. We come now in silence. <clears throat> Merciful and loving God, we give you thanks and praise that we turn to you in all ways and in all times to offer our prayer and to turn a listening ear to you. We pray for those who are tired that you'll give them strength to carry on. For those in despair that you give hope for not only the future but the present. For those who are hurting, you'll bring comfort and peace for whatever it is we might be bearing this morning, may we lay that before the foot of the throne of your grace, that we know our shoulders will never be big enough, but your love is great. So as we lift up our prayers, may we too offer the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught, that together we may pray, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. come forward to receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
tithes and offerings for use by your church in this community and throughout the world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. And renew a right spirit within us according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is God's word to God's people. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the reading of your word. We ask now that the word become more than words spoken or words heard, but words that find their way deep into our souls and through us become the living word, just as your son Jesus Christ was the living God, and through whose name we pray. Amen. Get it. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. So I'd like to take a brief moment and share with you uh, my journey since I last stood before you. This past January, I was recertified as a candidate in the order of deacon. I've spent several Sundays as a guest preacher in many churches, uh, including one just down the road at United Methodist Thousand Oaks. I survived my first year as the head football coach at El Camino Real, 
in Woodland Hills. Um, which reminds me, on a side note, I read this morning, your own Westlake High is in the preseason top 20 at number 12. They put us at number 15. Um, but if you're available on September 9th, we'll be visiting Agura High right over there. And you all should come out, but you got to sit on the blue side. <laughs> and in April, I was honored to be the presenter at the men's retreat. Uh, which was an, an awesome gathering of the transformational leaders of this church and a few others. And lastly, um, a generous donor made it available that uh, I could send 10 underprivileged student athletes to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp at UCLA last month. And this is a camp where uh, whatever their sport is, these happen to be football players, but during the day they practice their sport with college coaches and high school coaches and pro coaches, and then at night they fellowship and they gather as a community and there's concerts. Well, this year they had over a thousand student athletes on UCLA campus, uh, a record. Um, these particular kids, five were from Reseda, four from Chatsworth, and one from El Camino, uh, three of them recommitted themselves to the Lord, and an astonishing six of them gave their life to the Lord that camp. So uh, God is awesome, and it's just, thank you. And let it be known, this old 53-year-old dude only has three classes left in seminary. So... As Brian said, hopefully appearing before the board next spring. Um, but I wanted to take a moment to thank you for your support, your love, your prayers, your encouragement. I, I cannot express to you how important of a role they play in me continuing to be able to be obedient to this call. And so God bless you and thank you very much for that. So the funny thing is, the reasons people don't go to church Church is for wimpy, girly men. You know, I introduced this video at the men's retreat, and recently, Hierarchy says they're going to they're gonna create a series out of this video, and they give me the hardest topic to preach on. Seniority in the church. Who would have thought? Wow. Church is for wimpy, girly men. Believe me, this, this is a real per perception held by people out in the world. People of faith are weak. People of faith need a crutch. Why is it people of faith just can't handle life or life circumstances on their own? What is wrong with you? Can't you just deal with it like everyone else? I mean, most of the world does just fine without any help. Sissy, wimpy, girly crybabies. People of faith, y'all are just plain weak. Well, despite that perception held by many in the world, I'm here to share with you the fact that I believe the truth is actually 180 degrees opposite of that. I believe that anyone who is living by faith is doing so by a means of anything other than being a wimp. Amen? Amen? It's actually a lot harder 
living by faith and trusting God than doing our own thing or trusting our own abilities, right? This is partly because of our own egos, partly because it's contrary to our natural inclinations, and surely because it's truly countercultural today. Think about it. Think about it for a moment. Ever since we were wee little toddlers, we have been told and taught to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Ever heard of that? Just handle it. You got this. Go figure it out on your own. Or the most famous one, just do it. Like we're the Lone Ranger or something. But if we were able to ignore God and turn off our faith and our belief in knowing that God is in charge, and we simply approached every life issue just by taking the bull by its horns, is that really less wimpy? I don't know, maybe. I personally think that would be just me thinking about me. So I would again argue that trusting in God and not our own ways or the world's ways is a way of living life that is a thousand times harder. And interestingly enough, our own actions or taking that bull by the horns are generally reactionary moves and therefore don't often, often lead us down that path for which God has intended us to travel, resulting in the fact that often the opportunities and the experiences we should be sharing, we don't. But let's get something out of the way and be clear. I'm not here to encourage any of you to lay back and do nothing, nor to discourage any of you from using your God-given talents. James was very clear about that when he wrote, faith without works is dead. And by works, faith is perfected. And this is all within the context of living within our faith. You know, the 8 o'clock service has coffee. And I can't hardly keep them back. We need coffee at 11. <laughs> I heard a story the other day that illustrates this point. Maybe you've heard it. It's called, How Many Points Does It Take to Get Into Heaven? Anybody heard it? Okay, you're guinea pigs. Here we go. A man dies and goes to heaven. St. Peter meets him at the pearly white gates and says, here's how this works. You need 100 points to get into heaven. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I'll give you a certain number of points for each one of those. The man, and when you get 100, you get to come in. You're welcomed in. The man says, okay, let's go. St. Peter says, well, the man thinks, says, I was married to the same woman for 50 years, never cheated on her, and loved her deep within my heart. That's wonderful, says St. Peter. That's certainly worth two points. <laughs> Only two points? The man thinks again and goes, Ah. I attended church all my life and supported its ministry with my tithes and service. Terrific, says St. Peter. That's worth one. One point? 
Now the man's fumbling. I got it. I started a soup kitchen in my city, and I worked in the shelter for homeless veterans. Fantastic, says St. Peter. That's worth two more. The guy's now got a sense of hopelessness. And he cries out, at this rate, the only way I'll get into heaven is by the grace of God. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. No, he didn't say that. But <laughs> he said, congratulations, that's 100 points. Come on in. Come on, people. <laughs> That's what Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 tells us. For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. So then why are we considered wimpy girly men? Well, I believe we often create this perception ourselves by how we are living our faith out in the world. I'd like to share with you a few biblical examples that clearly illustrate how God has always used individuals that initially appeared to be weak or wimpy in the eyes and the opinions of the people. And beyond that, ones that the people certainly didn't believe could possibly ever serve God or fulfill his role and plan. A guy named Joseph. Heard of him? Dumped in a hole to die by his brothers. Then sold into slavery. Must have been a weakling. But through the grace of God, became one of the greatest examples of a man who led in ways that focused on the care and the love of people. Or a guy named Moses, who's given up at birth by his mother, an Israelite being raised and cared for by Pharaoh's daughter. He became a murderer, and then a fleeing coward who eventually became a shepherd. And finally, one who he ignored God's call because he didn't think he was a great communicator. What a wimp, right? God didn't give up on him. Or the dude named David, who was the youngest of eight, the last one brought in from the fields as his own father didn't even think he was worth sharing with Samuel. Girly man. Samuel and the others were so shocked when God anointed David as they believed the first son, Eliab, who had the look of a king, would be anointed. A couple weeks ago, Brian shared 1 Samuel 16, 7. And it is an incredible reminder of how we should live out our lives. And it reads, man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Amen. So again, God selected the individual who would best serve his purposes despite the perceptions and opinions of men. A guy named Peter fisherman. A man Jesus knew would act like a coward in the heat of battle. I mean, how weak is a guy that would deny Christ not once, not twice, but three times? Only a man that Jesus would call the rock on which the church would be built. Only the man that would become probably the greatest evangelizer of all time. Or a guy named James, Jesus' old brother, who didn't even believe he was the Savior. 
until he witnessed it with his own eyes and became the leader of the church by God's grace. Or finally, a guy named Saul, who was so seriously weak in his understanding of Christ and the community of new believers that he made it a priority to kill as many of them as possible until his eyes were opened, his heart was warmed, and this new dude named Paul served in ways that dramatically propelled God's purposes by the spread of the good news. So we have all these examples where God has selected this individual, an individual, to participate in the plan for his purposes, despite what the people of the world thought. It's clear. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. So now let's discuss us, the saints. I try and get Sherry to believe that every day. <laughs> the body of the church, we the believers, living out our faith out in the world, are we by our actions and lifestyle living in ways that cause people to look at us as weak? Or perhaps a bunch of hypocrites saying one thing, doing another. I must admit, sometimes it isn't very difficult to see how a non-church-going regular person might come to believe that. Because we don't always live out our lives as commanded by Christ. One great commandment, one big directive, to love Christ with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and to, uh, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we have the perfect model. We have Jesus. We have that model as to how to live as a believer and a community alongside those of, of the world. And even with the fulfillment and the help of the Holy Spirit, oh boy, we still struggle and come up short. And I actually think we do a pretty darn good job with the first part of that commandment, to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. But when it comes to the second part, the latter part, I think we fall short. And I don't know what it is that stops us or what it is we're afraid of. Is it to love is so difficult or scary or it identifies us as too emotional or too vulnerable? that we ignore the opportunity to love and just continue to act tough like everybody else in the world, macho. Maybe. But how can we expect the world to trust and hear us when we aren't being the example in the world that would make someone say, hey, they're different. What is that? And how do I get that? This is the engagement that we are all called to be working towards. I'll share a personal experience with you, an example. Certainly not one of my proudest moments, but truthful. I have always 
perhaps been a little aggressive driver behind the wheel of an automobile. <laughs> you all must have the same issue. <laughs> and as most of you know, I drive a great big white dually diesel pickup truck with a license plate that says yee-haw. So I've, I can't hide on that road. Well, on the back window, I used to have a beautiful white decal of a big, beautiful cross with a cowboy kneeling at the cross and his horse standing next to him. And one day, someone was driving in a manner in which I believed was incorrect. <laughs> Happens. So I changed lanes, came up next to him, and I made certain they, they knew I thought they were number one. I zoomed past him, got in front of him again, looked in my rearview mirror because I wanted to double check and make sure they got the message. And all I could see was that white cross. It hit me. How could I so tarnish my God who has been so gracious and loving to me by behaving no different than anyone else who is of this world. And more important, how could I possibly have treated another person who has been created in his image as well by treating them so poor? I got home, did the only thing I could do, I got the Windex and a razor blade, and I took the decal off, because I couldn't guarantee to myself that that wouldn't be repeated. And this is difficult. It's hard. But we must be willing to continue to try and to step outside of our comfort zone so as to be that example to the world, to be Christ-like, and that flavor-changing salt in order to earn the right to share our faith. And this can only happen when we share the love and the grace of Christ. And this love is shown through caring, supporting, being the voice for those who don't have one, and perhaps sharing the most valuable resource available today, time. And all these things may give one the perception or view that we're weak or we're vulnerable. But I believe that they actually allow us the opportunity to stand stronger in our faith and our love for Christ, which then begins to foster relationships, which then allow these perceptions to fall away as we become the community that God calls us to be. Thank you. Happy birthday. <laughs> And that's what our scripture is talking about this morning. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. I remember this story um, about a famous circus performer, a French guy named Charles Blondin, who made his fame by walking across tight ropes at very high elevations. And so... He chose once to stretch a tightrope across Niagara Falls, walk across it. But not only that, he was going to do so while pushing a wheelbarrow. So the day came, the crowds gathered, he went across that tightrope, came back. 
filled that wheelbarrow with rocks, went across that tightrope, came back. Added more boulders and bricks to it, went across that tightrope, came back. He looks at the crowd and says, how many of you believe that I can push a man across these falls in this wheelbarrow? And they all, woo, raise their hand. He said, all right, which one of you volunteers get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> they all stepped back and stared at the ground. These people were enthusiastic in their belief he could do it, but were unwilling to literally put their lives on the line for it. One man did. His manager climbed in the wheelbarrow and off they went. Across and back safely. Brothers, sisters, loved ones, it's one thing to say we believe and have faith in our Lord. It's a totally different thing to get into the wheelbarrow, placing all of the fate of our lives in him. But geez, when we do, we are graced with such incredible blessings and gifts that provide us the confidence and the hope to live by faith. Our true strength in Christ is knowing that we don't have to rely on our own abilities and we are never going it alone. So when we live this mindset and we go out as that model, We allow others to witness. And it occurred to me this morning at just the 8 o'clock, perhaps one of the simplest ways we can show strength might be by allowing those around us to witness us actually asking for help. As in, help me, Father. Is that weak? Maybe, but how else do we show the world and share the reasons for the hope we have? Peter was clear about that. So you wimpy, girly, sissy crybabies, I'll leave you with this. Something to ponder today, tomorrow, perhaps a week or a month, maybe longer. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you learned why. For life is not about finding yourself. It's about discovering who God created you to be. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the opportunity to gather here before you, to worship you, to praise you, to give thanks for all the blessings. I'd ask now that you bless each one of us with the wisdom to recognize all the opportunities and the path for which it is you desire that we travel. And then the courage and the wisdom and the strength to go out and travel that path as we depart here to serve, to be that light on the hill, to be that flavor-changing salt so this world can see, yes, something is different.
And may we be reminded in all that we do that it is in your glory and for your glory. Through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. If you please stand as we join in our hymn, 733, Marching to Zion, we'll sing verses 1 and 2. and community to be that salt, to be the light of Christ in service with word and with action. Go now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to love, to serve, and to bring God's grace now and forever. Amen. Amen.